this morning. And, uh, you know, I got, to, I got to sit in on the missions committee meeting yesterday. And, wow, you guys got quite, we got quite an operation here. Where's Rob? Rob was showing us all the, all the things that are going on. And, I, and uh, my wife wanted me to make sure and thank Ellen for Ellen made, knit all kinds of little caps, like dozens of little caps for the kids for the Christmas boxes. So thank you, Ellen, for your good work for the Lord. Amen? <laughs> Amen. Um, also want to mention uh, Ron uh, Barker, uh, Barber, sorry, had an accident, a kind of a, uh, a severe injury that he's, he needs to heal up from. So uh, let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer for, for Ron, shall we? Father God, we pray for Ron. Uh, we just pray your healing hand upon him uh, as he's recovering from this accident, Lord. And uh, just minister your healing touch upon him, please, Lord, by your spirit. And we thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, everyone. So we're continuing this morning, if you want to get ready for it, we're going to be looking at John 15 in just a second. But before I, uh, before we get into that, has anybody here ever been to Yellowstone National Park? Oh, 1959. <laughs> oh, several of you, several of you. Okay, very good, very good. Well, you probably heard about the, uh, the flash floods that happened there just a couple weeks ago. There was a flash flood. Uh, record rainfall and and uh, rapid snow melt caused uh, significant damage in a lot of par- parts of the park. So the uh, they had to evacuate about ten thousand people, evacuate the park, and all the entrances were closed. Thankfully, this week uh, they just opened parts of the park. That's good for Doug, Doug and Diana because they just went to, they just left this week, right, to go on vacation. Well, part of their trip is going to go to Yellowstone National Park. But, you know, Yellowstone is the oldest national park in the world. It was started in 1872, and it was uh, the, uh, one of the primary inspirations was the Old Faithful. You guys know Old Faithful, right? The geyser that, that springs up water like clockwork, you know. And uh, it's been doing that for centuries, actually. And, and, and even through after the floods, it's still going strong. You know, people come from all over the world, millions of people, to see this. This is caused by a volcanic, thermal volcanic activity under the earth. And uh, it erupts. Right now, it's approximately every 74 minutes, you know. But it's faithful. You know, it, it erupts. And um, there, there's hotels. There's three hotels around the locale, location where people can see it clearly. And if you can't get in a hotel, there's a huge parking lot. And uh, people fill that parking lot uh, to wait and anticipate uh, Old Faithful to be faithful, (laughs) okay? (laughs) Well, this morning, Jesus calls us to be faithful, amen? We're going to look at a scripture now. He calls us to be faithful to him, to stay with him, and to remain in him. And that's what we're going to see just now. If you look with me at John chapter 15, and if you're able and willing, if you can stand with me, uh, we'll go ahead and stand together, and we're going to read verses 4 to 17. John 15, verses 4 to 17. 
And it says this. Jesus speaking. It says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I love you. I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. Just as I kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love, I have told you this, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My commandment is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I'm no longer calling call you servants because a servant does not know his father's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Hmm. Jesus uses this word remain ten times. In this short scripture we just read, he used that word remain ten times. It means to abide. It means to, to dwell. It means to, to be united with. And you see, Jesus begins this chapter by calling himself the vine. And we are the branches. Amen. Jesus is a vine. We are the branches. Jesus is telling us, remain in me. Remain in the vine. Remain in the vine. Look at verse 4 and 5 again. He says, remain in me and I in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is telling us to remain in him, to stay with him, to be devoted to him. And then his life as a vine in us will bear much fruit. The fruit of Jesus Christ, the life of Jesus Christ. He wants us to bear fruit. Now, what is this fruit that we are to bear? The Bible describes it this way. <coughs> to bear the fruit is to bear the fruit of a godly attitude, 
to bear the fruit of a righteous life, to bear the fruit of lips that praise Him, and to bear the fruit of winning souls to Christ. Bearing the fruit. He who abides in me will bear much fruit. He wants us, Jesus wants us to, to, use, to live a useful life for him. You know, the branches that are burnt up and thrown away are the fruitless branches of unbelievers that don't have the life of the vine within them. There's, they're no use for the Lord. They bear no fruit for the Lord. But instead, Jesus says, remain in me. How are we to do that? How are we to do that? We're going to look at two ways this morning that this text tells us to remain in the vine. And the first way is this. Remain in the vine by remaining in his word. Let's take a look. Verse 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you. You see it there? To remain in Jesus, we must remain in his word. And his word brings fresh freshness to our life. It brings restore and revitalization to our soul like, a, like, like, like water to a dying tree. Do you know California's in a drought right now? We're in a drought situation. And our plants and our crops are in danger of drying up and not being able to bear fruit. You know, the same thing can happen with you and me spiritually. We can be dried up in our soul, unable to bear fruit, because the Word is not remaining in us. Jesus says, remain in me and let my words remain in you. You know, the Word of God brings refreshment to our soul, revitalization to our soul. Psalms chapter 1 is a beautiful picture of the re revitalization that it brings to the soul when you meditate, when you internalize the Word of God. It's like, it, it, you know, Psalms 1 is a, a psalm that I have memorized. I, I use it sometimes uh, when I go to bed at night. It helps me to, you know, when I meditate on it when I'm going to sleep. I'm not saying it puts me to sleep. <laughs> but it gives me peace, right? Listen to some of the words. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who delights in the law of the Lord. That means that his delight is in God's word. It says, and on his law he meditates day and night. To meditate on it is to hold on to it, to dwell on it, to think about it. And then listen, look at this picture that it gives us next. Look, put your, put, look at this tree that it, it, it talks about. It says, he, the one who meditates on the word, is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. You see, the word of God is like that water that, that refreshes the tree so that it can bear fruit. Remaining in the vine is to remain in his word so that we can bear fruit. Let God's word live in you. That God, you know, having God's word in you, internalizing it in you, brings refreshment to you. It brings refreshment to your soul. How does it do that? How do you do that? How do you internalize it? Memorize it. Memorize it. What good is it 
is after you, after you read the word of God, that everything you read, you forget. Internalize it. What does Jesus say? If you remain in me and my words remain in you, internalize it. Memorize it. You know, hold on to it. Wrap your mind around it. Cling to it. Find a verse that speaks to you and, 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 and hide it in your heart. You'll be amazed how God will use that in your life to reveal things to you and to cause you to bear fruit. Charles Swindoll is the second most listened to preacher of our time, second only to the late Billy Graham. Charles Swindoll says, said this about memorizing Scripture. He says, I know of no other single practice in the Christian life more rewarding, practically speaking, than memorizing Scripture. Hold it in your heart. He knows of no other practice more rewarding. Now, does it reward call, require labor? Does it take work to memorize Scripture? <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> yes, it does. But if you practice that discipline, God will strengthen. He'll bless you. He'll strengthen you. He'll speak to you. And you will bear fruit for the Lord. Hold his word in your heart. It will empower you in your spiritual life. And it will empower you in your prayer life. Let's take a look. Verse 7. Jesus says it this way. He says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. It will be done for you. You see, <laughs> when God's word is in you, you'll be able to pray with God's strength. When God's word is in you, you'll be able to pray with God's wisdom. When God's word is in you, you'll be able to pray with God's desire. Psalm chapter 37 verse 4 says this. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now a selfish way of thinking about that verse is, oh good, all I got to do is take delight in the Lord. He's going to give me anything my heart desires. <laughs> But a godly way of thinking about that verse is this. If I take delight in the Lord, he will give me what his heart desires. Amen. He'll give me what my heart should be desiring. Then your will will align with God's will. And he'll give you what your heart desires. His spirit will use the word of God. His spirit will use the word of God to direct you in the will of God. Verse 7, he says, ask whatever you will and it will be done for you. You know, there are famous successful missionaries of the past, such as George Mueller, Hudson Taylor, who all said they have a similar pattern in their prayer life. They said this. They would pray, they, they, would, they would seek God's will on a matter until the Spirit <coughs> impressed them with the Scripture. <coughs> then they would claim that Scripture by faith, and God would answer that prayer. 
You see, they were praying according to the will, word of God, and they were praying according to the will of God. Why? Because his word remained in them. Remain in the vine by having his word remain in you. It will empower your prayer life. Not only will it empower your prayer life, but you will glorify, to glorify the Father. Let's take a look, verse 8. Verse 8 says, this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit. So showing yourself to be my disciples, prove yourself to be Jesus' disciples. Let the world know that you're Jesus' disciple. How do you do it? The proof is in the fruit. Matthew chapter 7, verse 14, by their fruit you will know them. Remaining in the vine, bearing the fruit. The fruit of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. What kind of fruit are you bearing in your life? What kind of fruit? Is it, can, is it fruit that can be identified as fruit that comes from the vine of Jesus Christ? Or is it the fruit of the sinful nature? You know, the Bible gives very clear identifying marks of those two types of fruit. It's in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, beginning with verse 19, says this. Apostle Paul writes, first of all, about the fruit of the sinful nature, beginning with sexual immorality and on from there. And he says this. He says, I, I warn you, as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Then he goes on to talk about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, Patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the fruit of the Spirit of Jesus Christ that glorify the Father. It's the fruit that glorifies God the Father. Why? God the Father sends the sun and the rain to cause the crops to grow. God the Father sends the spirit of his son Jesus Christ into the heart of believers to cause us to grow. To grow like what? To grow like Jesus. Grow in Jesus. Be an ambassador for Jesus. Bear the spirit of Jesus Christ. Bear the fruit of the spirit of Christ in you. Remain in the vine. Bearing his fruit. <clears throat> bearing his fruit. You know, this last Wednesday my wife came in from outside. This is around dinner time. She was out in the backyard. She had something in her hand. She was so excited about what she had in her hand. <coughs> she, 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 she came up to me and said, look, our first tomato. <laughs> Bonnie, Bonnie, Bonnie gave us a tomato plant, right? And that was the best. It was the first tomato. Our first, we were so happy about that little tomato. <laughs> But you see, the fruit, that tomato, the fruit, it proved that the vine was good and it proved the gardener was good. You know who our gardener is? God the Father. Yeah, he prunes us. He cares for us. And when we bear the fruit of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, we display his character and his care. We display, we display the fruit of the spirit of his son, Jesus Christ. You know, people come from all over the world.
to witness Old Faithful at Yellowstone. They come. It's so famous because it's so faithful. And it's a unique display in God's creation. Christians should be a unique display to the world around us. Display of the Spirit of Jesus Christ bearing the fruit of the Spirit of God's Son. Remain in the vine by remaining in His Word. Empowering your prayer life. Displaying the Spirit of Christ by remaining in the Word of Christ. Remaining in His Word to empower your prayer life to glorify the Father. And then secondly, secondly, the second way that we remain in the vine is to remain in his love. Verse 8. Verse 9. Remain in his love. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Remain in my love. How would you do that? You see, Jesus' love is an everlasting love. When you receive Jesus in your heart, you receive everlasting life. And with that everlasting life is his everlasting love. Now, in accepting the love of Christ, the moment you accept it, you are united with him. Uh, you unite with him as your Savior and your Lord. The moment you accept his love, you unite with him as a branch to the vine. You become one with Christ. You're united with Christ. You're to remain in his love. What does it mean to remain in his love? Verse 9, remain in my love. You know, back in 2006, there was a book that came out, very wildly popular book, wildly influential book called The Secret. Some of you might know that book. I wish they would have kept that book a secret. <laughs> but there's a line in that book. There's a line in the author of that book. She talks about love. She says, love is a feeling. Well, love might involve feelings, but according to the Bible, it's much more than just a feeling. You see, love is a do. It's something you do. Jesus said, if you're going to remain in my love, you better do something. There's something you got to do. So what is it? So what is it? Let's take a look. What we have to do to remain in his love, we have to keep, we remain in his love by keeping his commands. Keeping his commands, verse 10. If you keep my commands, then you remain in my love just as I've kept my father's commands and remain in his love. We remain in his love by keeping his commands. What did Jesus say, John 14, 15? If you love me, You'll keep my commandments. Love for Jesus is defined as obedience. Love for Jesus is defined as obedience to the commands that he gives. So what is? What is his command? Look at verse 12. What is his command? He says it this way. My commandment and my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. And, as, and, and to just... Give it special emphasis. He ends this section, verse 17, says it again. This is my command. Love each other. Love each other. Remain. Remain in his love. 
And how do we do that? How do we put his love in action? How do we put his love in work? How do, how do we do it? Reach out. Reach out. God, God puts someone on your heart. You see somebody's need, need, somebody puts on your heart. Reach out. First and foremost, reach out in prayer. And then if God leads you to do more, reach out. Reach out to encourage, to support, to help. I want to thank those in our congregation that's been bringing meals to Tracy in her time of need. I want to thank those in our congregation that are bringing meals to Julie and her family in their time of need. And I know they want to thank you as well. You see, because that's what love does. See, love is a do. It's something you do. You reach out. You reach out and Jesus says, remain in my love. Remain in his love by reaching out. And when you do, when you do, when you obey Christ's command to, to love each other, he will give you his joy. He will give you his joy. Let's take a look. Keep his commands for the fullness of joy. Verse 11, I have told you this, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may complete, may be complete, that it may be full. The New Living Translation says that your joy may be overflowing. Isn't that great? Jesus wants you to have a joy that his joy, his joy that is full, his joy that is complete, his joy that is overflowing. He's saying, remain in my love that your joy may be full. You know, a lot of people today have a misunderstanding about Christians. A lot of people today think Christians have a cheerless life, a life without joy. But you know, just the opposite is true, Amen. If, if you're remaining in the love of Jesus Christ, your joy, Jesus says, will be full. He says, remain in my love that your joy may be full. You know, a lot of people are looking for joy today. A lot of people are looking for happiness today. That's like the, uh, most people. But if you're not looking for it in the love of Christ, you're looking in the wrong places. George Mason University researcher wrote a paper about this, and he said this, about all this hoopla about happiness. <laughs> he said this, he says, many people in the United States is obsessed with happiness. There are cultural pressures to be happy. Go on Amazon.com and, and look how many books have happiness in the title. Go on Google, plug in happiness coaching. Look how many people are waiting by their phone for you to cough up cash to learn how to be happy. There are even a, there's even a university degree that can teach you to teach people <coughs> to be happier for only $40,000 a year. <laughs> has anyone, he says, has anyone considered what this pressure to be happy does to people? Thankfully, he says, a few scientists started to study this phenomenon. What they found is that as people place more importance on being happy, they become more unhappy and depressed. The pressure to be happy makes people less happy. Organizing your life around trying to become happier makes happiness, the, making happiness the primary objective of your, of your life gets in the way of becoming happy. Isn't that interesting? 
Isn't that interesting? People that are focused, people that are focused on happiness as a center point of their life end up being happy, unhappy. Why? Why? Because their focus is in the wrong place. You see, the deepest joy, the deepest happiness are a bra, a byproduct of love. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. The love, the, the, the love of the Lord, the joy of the Lord is found in His love. Remain, Jesus says, in my love. Love is not inward focused, it's outward focused. Love is not concerned about getting, it's concerned about giving. What did God say? What does the Bible say? God so loved the world that he gave. I I think Jesus said it best. In the book of Acts, Paul quotes him as saying this, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Amen? And the word blessed means happy. Living in love. Remaining in his love. Jesus says, remain in my love for the fullness of joy and remain, uh, remain in his love, keeping his commands for, the, for friendship, friendship with Jesus Christ. Verse 13 and 14. He says, greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command See, our friendship with Jesus began the moment you surrendered your will to his. The moment you bowed down to him as your Lord. Then that friendship with Jesus Christ began. And like any good friendship, our friendship with Jesus is founded on love. What is love? How does the Bible describe love? 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. It says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. Verse 13. Verse 13. Jesus said that's the greatest love. There is no greater love. That is the greatest love that one laid down his life for his friends. Now, what does that mean to you and me? We're probably not going to be literally asked to lay down our life, but for our friends. But if you're following the commands of Christ, you should be willing. You should be willing. And to prove you're willing to make the ultimate sacrifice, you should be willing to make those smaller sacrifices in love. That's what love does. That's true friendship. That's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus said, the proof of your friendship. Now, verse 15, Jesus is talking still about his friendship, and he says this. He says, I no longer call you servants, or in other translations, I never call you slave. Because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known you. You see, the servant, you just give him an order. You don't have to explain anything. But Jesus is saying, I'm sharing my heart with you. I'm sharing, uh, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm giving you what the God, the Father has given to me. 
I'm opening up to you. Why? Because you're my friends. You see, becoming friendship with, a friend with Jesus is becoming a friend with God. Jesus is revealing to us the mind of God. He is revealing to his disciples the plans of God. He's revealing the purpose of God. When you become a friend of Christ, you have access to fellowship with God the Father. You have access as long as, as long as you are willing to commit to obey. You see, then you will know the plans of God, the purpose of God. If you remain in his love, remain in the vine. Jesus Christ is the vine. And remain in him by remaining in his word. Let his word remain in your heart. And so you'll be like that tree, that tree by planted by the streams of water. And like that little tomato. <laughs> Amen, you bear fruit. You're going to bear fruit. You're going to bear fruit. Remain in his word and remain in his love. You know, putting that love into action. And as you do, as you give of yourself, you'll be experiencing his joy. That's what he did. That's what he tells us. It's remain in my love that my joy may be in you. And the fellowship with the Father. You know, the floods that came at Yellowstone were totally unexpected. They came all at once, and it was a record depth. The National Weather Service said it was flooding rarely or never seen before. Our lives sometimes can be going through a flood, amen? Floods of water. And in those times of flood, we need to have an anchor. We need to be remaining, holding on, holding firm to the Lord. We, you are the branches. Remain in the vine. Don't lose your grip. Stay united with him. And as you do, you will bear fruit. You'll bear fruit for God. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, that, that through Jesus Christ, you, 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 you are our friend. And thank you, Jesus, that you give us the command. You are the vine. We're the branches, Lord Jesus. And You've, you've told us what to do to remain in you. Help us, Lord. Help us to do it. Give us, Lord, the, the, you know, the, the ability through your spirit to bear the fruit of your spirit. Holding on, remaining in your word, remaining in your love. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray.